This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hello, I'm Marissa. Hi, I'm Evan. We're going to talk about Strawberry Spring by Stephen King. Uh, first published in a magazine called Ubris, Fall 1968. Um, I found that it was also published in uh, one of those pornography magazines. I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't Penthouse. It wasn't Hustler. It was one of the earlier ones. Uh, like Playboy in the seventies was doing a lot of fiction. They still, uh, I, last time I checked, they still do fiction. Yeah, the um, King files always say he published in men's magazines. Yes, porno magazines. Oh, uh, but he also did men's mag. Uh, well, I guess they are men's mag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I was a. Li- I, th- I thought for I didn't know Abris was the first publication. So I was I was thinking this was set in the seventies. But that's also because I started with the audio drama. Um, rather than starting oh, with did? the story. Yeah. Um, did anybody else try to listen to the audio drama? You warned me away from no. it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did. did. Oh, really? Did you get through the whole thing? No, I've got like a couple of episodes to go. Okay. I want to talk about that because, um, I, I, I kept looking at the file length on the audiobook. It's like 24 minutes. And then each episode of that is, and there's eight of them, is about an hour, um, or maybe 40, 50 minutes, something like that. And I'm like, is this, did I get a, the audiobook? Is it too short? Cause why is this so much longer? Um, but having listened to the audio drama first and then listening to the story, I see there's a lot of seeds from the story in the audio drama, but I have a lot of problems with the audio drama. Mostly the ads are horrendous. Oh, they were awful. I was so mad about that. <laughs> Every few minutes, like five ads in a row, it felt like. And there are ads for true crime podcasts. People, McDonald's. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a McDonald's. I, 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 I would press the skip button and I'd still be in the middle of ads and I'd, you know. Same. Oh, my God. They're so It's bad. like in the middle of like a, a story like that where you're trying to like be immersed and like follow the characters like what a weird thing to just have mcdonald's screaming at you in the middle of it and get out (laughs) and and there's like a a wall of sound right um this is uh, i i was i don't know anything about iheart radio i just know that it it's been around for a while but if these are like the network effects of (laughs) of being on a network is that you have to have a bunch of ads and such i like I, i really want to have nothing to do with it because Same. the audio drama actually was pretty good, except for th- th- there was a there's a style of the audio soundscape that I think is a mistake, which is it's music all the time, if not all the time, most of the time, and sound bed all the time. So one of the things like we know we're walking into a newsroom because phones are ringing constantly, um, but it's it's like uh, I kept thinking, is my phone ringing? <laughs> right, like, like, um, and and the thing is, is it it was used to create an effect in the story about the guy's psychology, 
Um, but it just like hurt my ears to have the oh, ringing, s- spiking ee- sort of sound going on. And then, you know, we'd get footsteps and all, we'd get all the standard audio drama stuff, which is fine. But in combination with the, with the ads, which had the exact same thing, I, I found it like stressful in a way that it shouldn't be stressful. Yeah, I was actually listening to it. I took the kayak out, so I was listening to it like out on the pond. <laughs> and it was like kind of fun at times because it was like, you know, watching a movie in your head. Yeah, yeah. Um, while I was just drifting around. But yeah, every now and then, like, it was mostly the ads actually that just like They're just horrible. destroyed it for me. Like, yeah. And they, and they don't come like they start the show, so you don't get the unopening. You just get ads. And then you don't know when those are in, so you have skipping hunting and seeking and then you're enjoying the programming and the you know the acting was i would say okay and good um it wasn't amazing but combined with the ads and then the breaking it up in so that i felt like i wish i'd somebody had edited all the ads out for me like i almost wanted to do it for myself so i could listen to it Mm. and enjoy it more but it was it was a like a traumatizing podcast experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not good. That's a really horrible thing to do to people who are trying to like enjoy a, <laughs> a story. Kind of, kind of hard to imagine that ads would wreck your life like that. But in audio drama, um, there you can't just mute it and wait for the picture to go away, right? Yeah, I'm also like not used to them. Like I don't, no. hear, I don't do anything with ads. So like I. I just won't use something if there's ads in it. So I don't right. really hear ads at all. And so it was really freaking weird to it suddenly was. have them blasting at me. Like, just, oh, who listens to that? Like, why do we tolerate that? It's I've awful. Been, I've been seeing it sort of crawling into more podcasts. And I, I've been mm. I've been unsubscribing to stuff that I kind of want to listen to. But if it's got, like, random jump-in ads, um, it's like, is this really worth my time? I don't think it is. Yeah. Spending yeah. that time hunting to, to skip ahead. And the podcaster software that I use for my phone, somebody asked them, would they put in an ad skipper or ad blocker? Um, and they said, we will never do that. And I'm like, well, as soon as a, a company will do that, I'm going to be using that podcast app mm-hmm. because it's like saying, uh, we are the manufacturer of televisions and we don't believe in the mute button. I'm going to be buying a JVC then if, mm-hmm. if Sony won't make me a mute button for my remote control. So um, I remember listening to a history podcast some years ago when then suddenly they started putting in very obtrusive short ads and I, and I stopped listening to the podcast and yep. never went back to that podcast because it was like, what the bleep is this? I'll it do that even- too now. It's like there's so many good podcasts out there. Like I, if if it comes down to like of these 20 great podcasts, mm. which ones am I going to listen to? And they're all kind of equally good, but yeah. three of them have ads. Goodbye. <laughs> like that's And you, don't, you just don't have the time, right? Like yeah. Yeah. you'd <laughs> like to listen to all the podcasts, but who has the time? So the yeah. only reason I powered through this was because – I like to see what, how stories are put together and, you know, why the choices were made. And I think, I think I can see that through this podcast audio drama experience, mm-hmm. but I don't recommend other people do it unless somebody goes in there and edits it together. <laughs> um, you know, makes it one big file, makes it, um, 
uh, ad free and yeah. uh maybe i don't know if you can turn down the the spiking pain sound <laughs> that the guy gets that we also get because he gets it um it, 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 whatever that's enough <laughs> of that yeah but yeah, they did a pretty good job. It's just a shame that they destroyed their own artwork with yes. ads and destroyed it for the listeners as well. Like it's probably out of their hands, I guess. But I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it's branded all over the place. iHeartRadio, so it must be mm-hmm. like some sort of network deal. I don't really it should understand. Be called I hate ads. <laughs> That'd be the alternative network. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you read uh, read it first and then do the audio drama? Is that what you did, Marissa? I did, yeah. Okay. Um, so I had the opposite experience. Uh, the store, I, I actually, I pretty much knew what was going on right away. And I think that is probably because of the audio drama sort of jumping back and forth in time quite a bit. Um, whereas that is not really happening in the story. It's it's very, I, I think it takes place. It's very place. linear. Yeah, very linear. It take, probably takes place over like an evening, right? Yeah, he's like he, recounting. Yeah, the he's last, remembering, and then the last strawberry spring, and he's describing the landscape as he walks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, why did you pick this? Didn't you, Marissa? I was going to ask you if I did because <laughs> pretty sure I you did. Remember. Yeah, I think I told you that I saw a bunch of people talking about a Stephen King short story that was like their favorite. So hmm. if that's the one that I sent you, like I'd forgotten the name of it by now, but yeah, I'm I pretty sure you had. Recommended. I'd never heard of it before. Okay, um, well, I'm really surprised that this is the one because I didn't think it was like that good to be a favorite Stephen King story. So it, I'm really it's not. It's the worst I, thing by like Stephen King I've it. ever read. <laughs> I was like, is this <laughs> the that one it's terrible. that I recommended? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I, it's not even his best serial killer story. It, it, like if you would have, because I, I actually been reading like all his short stories lately. And I think he's really good at the short stories. He's known for these big fat novels, mm. but the, the short stories are some of his most his sharper work. Yeah. You had read this before, and Evan? I've read it many times. Yeah, oh, okay. It's Night Shift. I love Night Shift. Night Shift is... It's it's probably my favorite collection because it's it's got the most. Because of course he wrote all these short stories when he was like journeyman, and then this was his first collection, so he only chose like twenty of them or so. I think it's twenty, yeah. And they've were all mostly all published before, except maybe one or two. And then his later collections were like the stuff that didn't make the cut of Night Shift and a few newer works. And it's not until the early two thousands that he's finally pub- published in these anthologies, all the stuff he wrote back in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was like, these were all like picked for like a, like a feel. Mm. And this is the one he really comes at with like an EC Comics kind of vibe. He even has an intro where he's kind of like the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. Um, and the um, intro to Night Shift. And the Night Shift stories are all like really, really pulpy and and fun i think for the most part even though they're thematically different they they all have that feel i guess and the audiobook reader for these are is the same guy and he he does a really good job with all the stories we did we took Um, it from the night for night yeah i think it's my i think it's still my favorite uh collection of his i guess because it does seem he was trying to do something with these stories he picked these 
like uh, graveyard graveyard shift, the one where the guys work in a, like over the Fourth of July weekend and killing the rats in the. Mm-hmm. They're cleaning out the factory, and there's like these rats who've evolved in the sub basement. You know, it's like really it's wonderful stuff. Yeah, I haven't uh, read Night Shift for so long, but I need to read it again because I remember yeah. having so much fun reading that. I don't remember yeah, the story at all, but I was going to say like this one actually has two serial killer stories: the man who loved flowers and Strawberry Spring. And maybe Boogeyman. The Boogeyman might be a serial killer story, too, about a man killing his children. Um, blaming it on the Boogeyman. But, uh, well, but this is a Boogeyman like, story? The Boogeyman story is a guy who's going, like a really nasty guy, like a, uh, is a really nasty father who's a horrible parent, horrible husband. But he's talking to a sh- shrink about how his children all got, like, died in their crib, all got crib death. Mm-hmm. And... And it was always the boogeyman who did it. It's, huh. it's kind of an ambiguous ending, too. Whether the guy's just a psycho or there really is a boogeyman. What I was going to say is, like, the serial killer story that I think is one of his best is, uh, is it The Good Marriage? It's in uh, Full full Night, No Stars. It? I don't know. Yeah, know that's the one where the – that's probably, I think, my favorite of his serial killer stories – uh, at least of the short stories, because that's about a, a, a wife who finds out her husband of like 30 years has been killing people. I, I haven't read oh, that Oh, that's much. a new collection. Stephen yeah, King. that's New-ish. No, Full Dark, No Stars, yeah, 2010. There's oh, that's cool. One story in here uh, that I have read, I actually read it because my niece was doing it for school. Um, it's called Night Surf. Have you guys read that one? Yeah, nights. Yeah, nights are fun. So it's like a plague story, I think. Um, I'm yeah. recalling it, and there's a bunch of people hanging out on the beach. Uh, they with, sacrifice a guy. Ah, uh, so remember so, they burn yeah, some guy to death. That sounds vaguely right. And I hadn't, I hadn't, I, I approached it with the I'm trying to help my niece do her homework. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, okay, what are the questions first before we looked at the story? And, and when I was reading it, I remember thinking, oh, this is, this is well written. <laughs> I, I'm interested in what's going on. Um, but uh, that's different than just reading to enjoy it or reading it for a podcast. Um, but based on that one and this one, and I know like about the mangler, um, and I know that trucks was turned into a movie and right. Um, lawnmower man, right. This is maximum overdrive. Yeah. 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 Children of the corn, right. There's a lot of, um, filmic things that are extracted from this early collection. Um, I, I kind of see what you mean. He's a journeyman at this point that, uh, so I want to talk about the origin of this story. So ISFDB says that this was published in 1975 and not in 1968, as it says on um, Wikipedia. Wikipedia, right? Now, I think that they may have a point that um, is a little subtle, which is that this is actually a rewrite. Um, he didn't let it go... Um, Based on the first publication, this is the, what we're reading is probably the 1975 Cavalier publication. That's the, uh, the pornography magazine with fiction in it. Um, mm-hmm. because if you remember the plot of this, it's set 
in the 70s after uh, eight to ten years, right? And he's recalling the events at campus in the 60s. Well, if it's published in 68, that doesn't make any sense for the plot to be set in the future, given that it's not supposed to be a future science fiction story, right? Uh, So what I think happened... And we will probably not know this, because if you try and find a copy of Ubris, good luck, bud. You have to have a ton of cash. And uh, it's because Stephen King is so collectible. And those are that was a student uh, magazine, you know, university magazine. Um, So we're seeing his gloss on his original story. uh, And I don't know what the original would have been like, but I recognized a couple of things going on by going through that audio drama that I may not have recognized uh, if I had just read the short, the 24-minute. Well, number one, this is very similar in plot to uh, one of Marissa's favorites uh, by Cordwainer... No, 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 no. Alfred Bester. Um, Fondly Fahrenheit. It's kind of a reverse Fondly Fahrenheit. You know this story, right, Marissa? Yeah, I guess it is. Right? Because what happens in Fondly Fahrenheit is every time it gets too hot, uh, his robot or he, (laughs) who are possibly indistinguishable, um, go crazy and and randomly kill people. Um, Here, it's whenever Strawberry Spring happens. When the and there's so much great description of the snow melting, him being able to smell the the sea through the sewer. Um, and in the audio drama, they like make it. They have an explanation for why he he does what he does, which is uh, I'm not so sure that's a great explanation. But What's the explanation? I didn't listen to the audio yeah, drama, so, so yeah. So basically, his. Uh, his father was a a wife abuser. Um, the mom drove away from uh, the abuse with the children, got into a car accident in the fog, and ki- that killed the mom and the little brother. And now we have uh, a kid who's traumatized whenever there's fog and he becomes a killer. Well, but this is not the first story that we've had where fog happens in a Stephen King story. No. And weird things happen. So what's, what's, I mean, aside from being a a phenomenon of um, the northeast of Maine, what's what's King's obsession with fog? And now now I'm um, thinking of the Niven story. Yeah. Wait, who doesn't have an obsession with fog? I, um, I agree. The, the, it's pretty the, awesome. The, the, I mean, <laughs> photographers do. I mean, lots of people do. But I'm thinking like all the myriad ways by Niven where fog changes the landscape around you. That kind of counterpoints to here where the fog changes our narrator. Yeah. killer. Yeah. It's kind of like a werewolf story almost. It is. Fog instead of moon. In fact, um, there's, a not, there's a phrase near the end of the story. Um, that reminds me of a weird Stephen King project called Cycle the Werewolf. You guys know that one? Yes. I do not. It's, yeah. Well, the so, answer is always yes. For Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what it, it's almost like a calendar. Um, 
and the, it's paired with, I believe, Bernie Wrightson art. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's basically, I think Bernie Wrightson did an image, and then Stephen King wrote the text. Um, and it's called Cycle the Werewolf, right? And because you've got this calendar effect where every full moon there's a thing. Um, I think it's quite disjointed because it's based on... I, I'm going on this by memory. I believe it was based on the art, and then King connected it using his words. I don't think they were collaborating with text first and then or discussing it. I think it was like, hey, uh, why don't you do this and I'll do that sort of thing. And it, it, it worked as, uh, I think, individual panels were good and the stories were okay. Uh, but mostly it was a Bernie Wrightson showcase as opposed to a Stephen King showcase. But probably the ideal was is King's, is my guess. What do you know about it, Evan? Um, I don't know about the order, like you said. I think if so, then then Wrightson really had kind of had the plot in his head because, I mean, the... The whole thing with the crippled boy being the hero, mm-hmm. shooting the vampire or shooting the werewolf, mm-hmm. like those, that seemed very king to me. When I, I mean, that's the idea of a young, of a, of a child, a disabled person. That's something King does a lot with. So, mm-hmm. um, they're calling it a novel. On uh, it says each month featured a drawing complete with a vignette. Doesn't I look at the Wikipedia? It doesn't say. Yeah, it's, they're calling it a novel, but I don't think yeah. that that's what it is. Um, I, I so I think I remember seeing it like in a bookstore once, like mm-hmm. this illustrated edition. And I went flipping through it. I didn't pick it up. I was like, "Well, that's an interesting idea." Mm-hmm. But Silver Bullet too, if you, it's the same plot. Yeah, he wrote the screenplay to Silver Bullet, and it's and, I and mean, he's it's he's a horror same. comics artist, Bernie Wrightson, right? Like. He is uh, a high-end horror comics writer. You think EC Comics, but more like creepy and that sort of thing in the in the sixties, uh, early late sixties, seventies, early eighties. Um, so you know, it totally goes. It's the creep show sort of Stephen King. <laughs> he likes that stuff, right? Um, so it, it's from eighty-three. So he's uh, Bernie Wrightson. I think is deceased. Um, so it was probably like, yeah, was I like you, you ago. like me, <laughs> let's get together, um, situation. But that, that wasn't the only thing that I thought about. Um, I was thinking that the plot is a little bit like William Wilson, uh, by Poe, uh, in which, especially in the audio drama where they, they make the brother a, uh, sort of a character that's alive, that walks around with the guy, even though, you know, he's been dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not me, it's not me, it's, and then we find out at the end. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like this is very early Stephen King. Like, it, it doesn't feel awesome in the way that it could be. And I, maybe it's because it's so short. I surprised how short it was. 24 minutes. Yeah. Nothing. When I first read it, I was, I was disappointed. And then I looked it up and saw that he wrote it in college, like that how that it was like one of his earliest stories. And then I thought it was like, oh, this is actually really cool for that 
if it's like one of his earlier stories. Yeah, it's ve- you're saying- very, very early. But yeah, I, th- I think I think he neat. took that core of the story and just added like a recollection to it. So w- without comparing the two texts, um, I don't, and I don't think we're going to see them. Like there's a some Stephen King website guy out there who is like, yeah, we're never going to see this in a collection because he's embarrassed about it, right? Um, like I sent you guys this morning <laughs> a, a picture of uh, Stephen King who look. It, absolutely insane holding a shotgun pointing it at the viewer i just saw that it's so great study damn it as a public service poster from the makers of the main campus (laughs) (laughs) it's um he literally looks like an insane hippie with a shotgun I love that look on him. <laughs> he is so wild. Not the shotgun, but the yeah. But <laughs> the like, this is the story. opposite of Stephen King of today, who's you know, short hair, no beard, uh, yeah, no but leather he's such jacket. A character still, and like yes. you can see that right all through his whole life, like just such a character. Yeah, but that that wildness, right? That wildness that's inside him that we see in a story like this. Um, I think it's actually really it's a good story. It's just. It doesn't feel like the polish later king. So one of the things in re-listening to it, uh, he submitted, and they do a lot with this in the audio drama, but, uh, he, the character, main character submitted a article for our proposal for a column to the editor of the school newspaper or the university campus news, newspaper. And, um, and it was rejected along with his, uh, his request for a date. And then that's the woman who gets murdered. Yeah. There's uh, so many things like that. Like yeah. it's, it's the, the ending is like forecast all the way through so clearly. So like by the time of the, this amazing last line, apparently people have called it like one of the greatest last lines of a short story. <laughs> it's like, no, he, it, uh, you're just like waiting for it to drop the whole time. There's yeah. no like mystery there. There's no I, one else. Yeah, he, <laughs> There's a couple other of his stories that I think play with this campus life from the sixties. Of course, Hearts in Atlantis is the mm-hmm. is it's not a horror story at all. It's just about kids in the sixties in college who blow their scholarships because they're playing hearts all the time and end up going to going to Vietnam because they stop school. Card game? Yeah, the game hearts. Okay. Yeah, the card game hearts. But from Night Shift, there's another one called I Need What You Need. I I know what you need. That would have been a better one if that if I were to pick one, I think that one would be that's a lot better than this. Um, that's about uh, someone who shines a little bit, who's mm. basically a, kind of an insult. It's like an insult story, and he he shines, so he uses that to 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 basically try to manipulate a woman. Uh, I definitely got insult vibes from this one too. Yeah, there's a bit, but it's, it's much more intense and i know what you need where you see he's he's kind of like presented as a bit of like a loser like mismatched socks doesn't like take like shower doesn't take care of himself but somehow this girl has you know this attraction to him but it's all because he's manipulating her because he knows what she needs i was thinking a little bit about everything's eventual the last one we did Mm -hmm. uh which mercy didn't you weren't on that one for some reason no um, 
I thought that was like really, that's a very recent story compared to it was 2014 or something like that. And it's about a high school kid who. No, it's not that late. It's like 97, wasn't it? Oh, really? Published in every, the, the book. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Cute. There's internet, oh, okay. but there's no, um, there's no, uh, yeah, there's internet in it. Anyways, um, that, that story, um, is so much more polished than this one in terms of like, he's like, I feel like he's, this story is so simple, <laughs> right? Like, it, and there's things happening. Like, why is it Spring Hill Jack? And the answer is, well, there's no reason. Um, he, he drops a bit of knowledge about this, um, uh, 1819 original Spring Hill Jack murdering some lady. I can't remember her name. Um, as far as I can tell, that's wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the first tales of Spring Hill Jack are, uh, 1830s, I think. Oh, but what I do like about that is I think the um, Spring Hill Jack was like a, a mass hysteria. Oh, yes. You know, urban it, urban it, legend it, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he kind of uses that in this story as well. Like that's what the it's, – it's all about like how everyone's talking about the murders and how they're sort of like looking in the wrong direction. Oh, yeah. And putting these wrong – like, um, yeah, he sort of mentions it like – it's everyone's stories about the murders and they're kind of making this like folk tale out of the murderer. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, it works, it, 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 but it's a, it's kind of deceptive because I kept, I, I, I uh, listening to the audio drama, I heard, Oh, it's Spring Hill Jack. I kept expecting somebody to jump out. <laughs> and I guess, Same. I guess a guy does, a guy does jump out at the end. <laughs> I, I was the last line I was of the story, like, I was, right? I was expecting more jumping. It's true. The, the whole idea of Spring Hill Jack being able to do these, um, prestigious feats of jumping and movement. And it, it, it goes back to the idea of seven league boots and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I was going to mention a book okay. at this point. And that's the, uh, What's the exact title of the book? The Strange Affair of Spring Hill Jack by Mark Hodder, which is set in the 1860s, and Spring Hill Jack is back, and um, Richard Burton and Algernon uh, Swinburne wind up getting wrapped up in his plot, and spoilers, it turns out that the reason why Spring Hill Jack jumps around so much is that he is actually a time traveler. He's I think kind you of told like, me about this book before. I, I, I probably did when we first proposed this thing. So basically, he's—it's kind of like you know, have um, you now 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 it's an HBO series, but you and he read the Time Traveler's Wife. Mm-mm. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, where basically he's kind of like very unstuck in time. He's got a mission and a plan and a purpose, and and Burton and Swinburne oppose him but he's kind of he's kind of like bounces around in time and space kind of like the time traveler's wife does but he gets to keep his clothes and stuff when he does so unlike uh <laughs> unlike a, almost the protagonist of the of the, of the novel but that's right so, <laughs> so just, it may kind of make sense of why spring hill jack is heard and and thought about in so many places not because he's urban legend because he actually did in this in this context of this novel actually show up in those times and places bouncing around history for his own uh, mad purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it fits the story in that respect that it is about um, mass hysteria and l- sort of the deliciousness of enjoying a current thing. I just sent you guys in the chat this. I did a show on this for a reading short and deep. I found this um, 
I was doing spring heel jack research for another thing way before I did this. This is um, a cleaned up newspaper story from January 27th, 1838. Uh, Franklin's miscellany. Um, that'd be Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin was dead by the point of this, but I believe it was run by his kids or something. Um, it might've been actually in the UK even. Um, but you can see there's a picture of spring heel Jack here who it's a little unclear that the springs that he has on his feet are not, uh, coil springs. They're leaf springs, like the kinds you would have on a wagon or a, a car, right? Mm-hmm. Although no, they have, they don't use leafs on cars very much anymore, but, um, he basically looks like the devil, right? He's got, uh, devil horns. He's got long fingernails. He's got, uh, you know, a cape. <laughs> Maybe that's not a devil thing. Um, and he's jumping over a house. And this particular uh, story is it's used as a moral um, reinforcement kind of thing. Basically, Spring Hill Jack shows up as a, at a tavern um, and demands uh, some food uh, or a drink or both. I can't remember. And uh, he he can basically drill a hole using a, basically a laser of his evilness uh, through the cabinet to get to the liquors that he wants, to get to the things that he wants. He's uh, a free spirit in the sense that he gets to do whatever he wants and damn the consequences. Um, this is why I think this story works for Strawberry Spring, which is a nice phrase, right? Um and the idea of an Indian summer and the strawberries, like, I think that strawberry spring is a real thing. I'm not from that area, but, uh, I, I did some I research. Tried, so did I. And I, fa- I thought that it wasn't, I could find nothing about it. Did I, you find something? Uh, I, I did Google, um, book searches and I found the phrase, but I didn't, I couldn't find one that talked about it as being how he calls it. So it's possible that it is a regionalism that is, it's like, Halloween is something that's been with us for centuries, but people don't tell you uh, what they what do. What Halloween for, is. Yeah, yeah, they don't tell you how to do Halloween because everybody knows, right? Um, and unlike um, Christmas, where we have songs with sailing songs, where you go from house to house begging for food, <laughs> um, Halloween is done by children, not by adults. And adults um, will put together books of these things, whereas it's much more like hopscotch. You know, it's like just a thing that kids do. So in the case of spring Jack, or as he's called here, the Spring Jack, um, it's a license to be wild. And so it kind of fits that the some reporter in New Hampshire uh, calls uh, this killer Spring Jack. Um but it doesn't make sense to call him Spring Heel Jack, right? Mm. Jack Spring Jack is in Jack the Ripper, which is, I think, also shouted out in the story, right? Yeah, I think it is mentioned somewhere. Yeah. So um, this is sort of done in Black House a little bit too, where, the, um, but there it's a, it fits better where there's a serial killer in Wisconsin who's called the Fisherman because he's being compared to Albert Fish. I think yeah. that's what I, I do like about this because my problem with it was that there's no other person who could be the killer. So it's we know. It's so simple. 
There's a very yeah, yeah. there's no like other no narrative suspects. view. Yeah, yeah. So and so and as the short as you can see the story pages counting down, you can say, Yeah, what are we so, what are we gonna do here? So I didn't like that about it, but I did like that the one thing that throws you off a little bit is all of this stuff about how people are talking about the murders, the fog, the mention of fangs. Like there's a little bit of doubt thrown in from all of these different theories that have been passed around and like mm-hmm. Jack the Ripper and Springfield Jack uh Springheel Jack and that's kinda interesting. Like it's not really developed, it's not really done enough, but it's fun. There was like this um this description of the first girl who dies. Um and it's from the way I'm reading it, it's supposed to be it's like a paragraph and it's supposed to be a weird like contradictory mix of all the stories people are telling about who this girl was and how they knew her. Right. But, but I think it kind of got messed up in the podcast because that was like one part that they narrated as if the guy himself was thinking all these things about the girl. Yeah. It's, it's a bit, it, it, I think it's because the formatting, like it literally is eight times longer, not, not including any of the ads. It's still at mm-hmm. least eight times longer. And they're not expanding it greatly. They they sort of jump back and recover material, almost like it's a serial that we're where we forgot. But they don't do that exactly either. So there's yeah. the added material makes it confusing. Um, and but I that, think that's why it's okay. so short. It's so short. It can't be anybody else because 24 minutes. Like finding a short story that will fit a podcast. Uh, reading short and deep 24 24 minutes that's really hard like most stories are at least 40 minutes or an hour well they at least added more characters to it which i think uh might like i didn't listen to that one first so you probably had a different experience Mm -hmm. but that at least at least there's more characters there that you could think of who could be a part of it but i did think that that paragraph of like gail kerman's descriptions like that they should have had a bunch of different actors or whatever like saying how they all knew her that's not all what the narrator is thinking that's like what everyone is saying and yeah. it's all about the myth of the murders yeah looking at the looking at this uh, text that you just put jesse it's all in five separate lines so it looks much more explicitly in this text like it's different people's takes on it and they're all contradictory rather than being a lumpen thing put together where you're saying as, as yes i had her this is the line uh, yes i had her an art class with her. Yes, one of my roommate's friends dated her last term. Yes, she asked me for a light once in the grinder. She was at the next table. Yes, yes, I. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, I. No. Like that? Is that what you're talking no, about? No, it's the, it's the one. Um, oh, I'm a. Gail Kerman, she was an art major. She wore granny glasses and had a good figure. She was oh, well liked, okay. but her right. roommates hated her. She'd never oh, gone out much. Sense. But she was the most promiscuous girl on campus. Right. She was She's ugly, ugly but, but, cute. but cute. Like everything is contradictory. Yes. And like you're like, oh, this is what everyone these are all the myths and the rumors that are going around about the murder. This isn't the narrator's opinion of her. No. She was a lesbian He's... who had been murdered by her boyfriend. It was Strawberry Spring. And on the morning of seventeen March we all knew Gail Kerman. So that yeah. phrase, it was Strawberry Spring and on the morning of March uh uh, the 17th of March, we all knew Gail Kerman. This is the line from from uh, Fahr- Fondly Fahrenheit, right? The temperature right. was uh, 480 degrees, uh, deliciously Fahrenheit or whatever. It was the yeah. it was the refrain, right? 
So I feel like I feel like I know how he put this together. Um, and he he's using his own experience and all the stories he's read, right? Um, and you know, if you're gonna steal, absolutely steal from Alfred Vester. Um, but it isn't it doesn't have that amazing polish. Like if you if we compare those two stories, um, this story and uh, Fondly Fahrenheit, Fondly Fahrenheit is a masterpiece for the ages. Yeah. It's just so amazing, right? And mm-hmm. basically, they're the same story. It's it's a lo- it's longer than it's that. the same structure. Yeah, I I see what you're saying now. And like when you compare them, it's there is no comparison to like the quality of the and story. yet and yet this is good, right? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's just like how do you make your game so much more amazing? You know, it's like watching a Quentin Tarantino knockoff versus a Quentin Tarantino. You you remember watching the Quentin Tarantino knockoff and you say, oh yeah, I like that actor. But when you w- remember the Quentin Tarantino movie, you remember the movie theater, you remember the popcorn, you remember you know the the feet. <laughs> you remember um, the experience of watching the film because it's just so much more amazing. So how is it that um, you know they're not so equal in quality? I think it's it is as Evan was saying, it's journeyman work, and so in order to keep the story. Uh, in his update, his update, you know, this was a very, his first collection. Um, it was a, it was a good story, but yeah, for a young writer, this is really cool. He's done, ama- he's done amazingly much better since then. Um, mm-hmm. because he knows what he's doing more and he's more confident or whatever. I, who knows? But, um, there, this is actually, it's, it's, it's nice. Um, and there's lots of things in it that you see, oh, that's good writing. Like, you just scroll around and you look at the adverbs. I noticed there was a lot of adverbs in this story. Um, here's it's one. His favorite. <laughs> uh, is, is it about that Gail Kerman? And by the way, Gail, uh, wind, right? Wind, uh, yep, blow. Yep. <laughs> it's not G-A-I-L, it's G-A-L-E. I asked, I asked after I told him one of the most lethal thing on my person was a rabbit's foot keychain. Ha 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 ha. Right. And then what makes you asked? He pounced. <laughs> right. So that pouncing is, um, it's like, okay, he's actually, he's actually playing a game. And it's almost like if you read it a little charitably, it's almost like the narrator is playing a game with us, mm-hmm. the reader. So that actually he knows exactly what he's doing and this stuff about his wife being upset. Um, let's read that ending. My wife is upset. She knows, uh, she wants to know where I was last night. I can't tell her because I don't remember. Uh, okay. Maybe we believe you. I remember starting home from work and I remember putting my headlights on to search m- my way through that lovely creeping fog, but that's all I remember. And notice it's the fog that's creeping and not him. <laughs> yeah. <Stop>. I, <laughs> I've been thinking about that foggy night when I had a headache and walked for air and passed all the lovely shadows without shape or substance. And I've been thinking about the trunk of my car. Such an ugly word, trunk. <laughs> he's deliciously enjoying what he's doing here, right? Yeah. And, it, and wondering why in the world I should be afraid to open it. I can hear my wife as I write this in the next room crying. She thinks I was with another woman last night. And oh dear God, I think so too. <laughs> but it's not like a revelation necessarily that uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Rather, he's playing. It's almost like he's been caught, right? 
were the cops and were interrogating him. And I say, what were you doing last night? <laughs> and he yeah, goes I, deliciously through, oh, boy, let me tell you. I prefer that. This is a good interpretation. This makes me like it more. Mm. It's, it, it, it's, it's nice. And that is not how the audio drama does it. The audio drama plays it straight where he doesn't know that he's bring heel jack or the killer and he doesn't and and the explanation for why he is doing it is because his dad hit his mom uh it but it isn't you know like how does that make sense mm-hmm. it's just it, so not knowing why he does it uh what his motivation is uh other than what we're told which is you know i was in class with her um uh, I couldn't date her. Like, okay, that's a much more uh, understandable, or maybe not understandable, m- more it's connected. More concrete. Huh? Concrete. Concrete. What, what, and it's more realistic as well, because we see, we see dudes like that in the world. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you jilted, right? Yeah, we see guys that hate women because they get rejected more than someone's uh, doing that because they're of some accident in their past or... Yeah, I, yeah. I think it, I think this actually does bury reading um, as a a subversive reading. I mean, that's why when you get to the end, if you're not paying super close attention or you're not familiar with Stephen King or uh, you know not paying attention to the like, if you're reading this in the paperback and you didn't see where the next story started, you might think it's going to go on for the next thirty pages, right? And then what? Oh, that's the end. That that, <laughs> that could be a lot more delicious. Uh, than having it, you know, oh, there's only tw- six minutes left in this story. <laughs> no other suspects, right? Yeah. Uh, so expectation does have something to do with w- what's going on. But um, I wanted to point to a couple of things in here. I think a lot of this is drawn from life. Uh, uh, there's a accidental uh, Pickman's model quote there. Um <laughs> uh he mentions the SDS. Um uh so I looked that up. It's uh Students for Democratic Society. Um and he says I think it's in the story as well as the audio drama. Um some people thought that it was a breakaway uh SDS group. Do you remember that? Control F SDS. Yeah. Let's see if we can find it. Oh, here it is. Um okay. Uh, and he repe- he repeats a lot of this stuff too, which is also a sign he's he's enjoying it. Gail Kerman had left a cryptic two word message written in her own blood on the black top of the animal sciences parking lot. Both murders were actually political crimes, ritual murders that had been performed by an offshoot of the SDS to protest the war. So these are all rumors, right? Some of these mm-hmm. might be true. Like "ha ha" was the two cryptic note <laughs> uh, written in her own blood. Uh, this was, uh, and then he says, this was really laughable. The new Sharon SDS had seven members. One fair-sized offshoot would have bankrupted the whole organization. The fact an even more sinister embellishment of the campus right-wingers, outside agitators. Oh, yes, we know about them. Uh, so during those queer, warm days, we all kept our eyes peeled for them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he's saying, I'm looking out for the outside agitator who's trying to murder people. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, no mirror around. Um, so I found this in a book called Unlikely Fame. Uh, Poor People Who Made a Difference. Um, 
Author Stephen King was heavily involved in the uh, Students for Democratic Society at the University of Maine. So, when he says there were seven members um, and an off uh, one fair sized offshoot, uh, <laughs> what would a fair sized offshoot of seven members be? Right? He's but I have to say, SDS really did fracture after the sixty after sixty. Oh yeah, because of the, the well, probably the whole Democratic convention. Mm-hmm. Like that broke up a lot of those leftist movements. Yes, and um, and and it so, is a student protest group. And, by, and and civil rights groups also broke up in the late sixties, early seventies, into the Black Power and the were they SL, were they SCLC were they just breaking up or were they broken up? Is the question. Like, well, it's probably a bit of both, but certainly there were these. Fractured lines. More radical voices. People who said, uh, we're not for black power, we're just for ending the war. I don't want to go to Vietnam. Right? Well, that's different. I I kind of put them together a little bit in the same sentence, and I shouldn't have, like... No, no, you're... You had the SDS. The SDS SDS included that as a... If you... I looked at the Wikipedia entry. What I was saying is the civil rights groups, like, you had in the early 60s, it was much more... I mean, you had CORE and... SNCC and SCLC, right? Those groups, but they were they were all like similar in strategy. Maybe SNCC was a little more confrontational and direct. But in the after '68 and early '70s, you started getting in the much more vocal Black Power movements. Like SNCC actually became much more of a Black Power organization, and then you had like the Black Panthers emerging. So. That fractured the civil rights movement, especially as it, the focus became much more northern and urban. But same thing happened with a lot of the student movements, which were much more focused on like the Vietnam War and anti-capitalism. But you got the more radical, like the Maoist groups, especially after the Cultural Revolution in China. You got the more Maoist groups, and they couldn't get along with the democratic socialists. So I'm, I'm saying, yeah, that's even if it's believable that seven-member group would fracture. In that context. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I, I, and I, it's not that they were just, it was like the CIA was, or FBI was smashing them. or, or uh, No, not seven-member group. Building up discontent. Like the way you put it, like we're broken up, I think. Well, I, I want to I talk about. They broke up internally on their own. This is, I was thinking, own. how are we going to talk about this? Because Paul won't talk politics. <laughs> I don't know. Marissa, Marissa won't talk politics much either. Evan and I will no. talk politics endlessly. <laughs> Not with your politics. <laughs> well, I mean, but the thing is, is what's so interesting is it's all over this story. So I was thinking, why did Marissa pick this story? <laughs> like, Wait, but remember, I hadn't read it. I just heard people saying right. it was really good. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I want to read think, it. Maybe Jesse wants to read it too. Yeah, I think the reason people are reading it, and this is this is pretty interesting, like. There's this phenomenon. I found an old Jack London story the other day. Uh, um, it's got a couple titles, but one of them is uh, Souls, something about souls. Um, I don't remember the title, but basically it was like uh, Souls and Forms. So it sounded like a uh, his take on, on heaven and um, uh, Plato's Land of the Forms sort of thing. Which is an interesting idea for Jack London to do because that's not normally his thing, um, and there's like almost no interest on it, on it 
at all on the internet. Like I had a lot of time, difficult time finding it and finding out what the original title was and all that stuff. But if you go to YouTube <laughs> and you type in the name of the story, it's all over the place. And the reason is it's used in foreign language schools as a study text. And that's the same thing. This, this book, um, a night shift is used by North American universities as a study text. That's why I read it with my niece, the story. And she said, have you heard of night surf by Stephen King? I'm like, no, is that a new novel? <laughs> and she's no, it's a short story from night shift. Right. So the, the, it was used in an English class. So, that is the experience is a lot of people will read only a few short stories in their whole life. And then there's a big clamor for it. You know what I mean? Mm. So like reading short and deep, when we do a show on, uh, on an obscure poem, it's not really a big deal. But when I do a show on something that's, you know, fairly famous, I get like lots of emails asking me to do story summaries <laughs> For students oh, really? and that sort of thing. So it's like um, there's a I don't I don't know if this is the right term a knock on effect or a long tail or something um, that's caused by the requirement that it be read in school. And when kids read Stephen King in school, they say this doesn't suck, right? Right. <laughs> they like it, and yet they don't read normally, except you know whatever they're into. So it's it it's probably that. This is why he's so great, though, because I like I say this as well, and so many people say that he's their gateway drug to mm-hmm. reading and genres, like especially horror and science fiction. Like he's just so good at hooking people into reading. He's so entertaining. Yes, and he's he's yeah, good at it. He makes it enjoyable, and you feel like there's something substantial there, even when it's pretty light. In this case, it's it's a good story. Uh, it's just, it's not the Stephen King we know and love, you know? Yeah. Like I just picked up, um, The Shining again, uh, last night as something to read while there was this crazy storm outside and, Ooh. oh my God, it's so good. Well, I like, heard about, I, I heard just about can't the direction, believe yeah. how good the writing is. How, how bad was the storm by you? I heard, I heard people losing power and all sorts of crap. Yeah. I don't know. It woke us up. We were up at like 2am just watching. It was so much electricity. It was just flashes every couple of seconds and it was very fun i love it well worth getting up for (laughs) (laughs) it woke you up saying come look at me yeah and i'm like i'm right there (laughs) out on the balcony at 2 a.m nice yeah that that sounds like a an ideal uh, maybe maybe it should have been snowing as well (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) to make it the the complete experience yeah but yeah his writing is just man you just get lost in it Indeed. It's a great little short story we've got here today. It's just, uh, I haven't read that much Stephen King, so I think this is the worst I've ever read by him. It's totally good, (laughs) right? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Evan, what do you make of the politics going on in this? Because I I looked at it and I was like, he's talking about right-wing outside agitators. He's talking about being, it's almost like he's the main character is in the SDS. He's all over the campus. Um, but this is also a teaching university, right? And I, I thought there was something interesting about the first murder being in the animal sciences parking lot, right? As, or no, mm. uh, well, it was an animal science. Was it animal science? Yeah, I think it was. 
Uh, I've got the text somewhere around here. Uh, but basically, it was... Um, so I, I thought that that was like veterinary school. What do you guys think? It's not like a... <laughs> I, that's something I didn't take at university. I don't know that. <laughs> um, well, I, no, I, I don't think it's a veterinary sure school. The, yeah. I think it's just like... Just like a, like... Oh, like, um... What's the name of the um, school? New Sharon New Sharon, yeah. yeah. Control F. New Sharon. Okay. So New Sharon's the town, right? Uh, and, the, and the name of the school as well, New Sharon Teachers College? Yeah. What happened at New Sharon Teachers College, that particular Strawberry Spring? There may be a cycle for that, too. But if anyone has figured it out, they've never said. And you're right. That body is in the Animal Sciences parking lot. Yeah, so animal sciences is something you would do if it's not like biology, right? This is like, uh, it's it's kind of like um, agricultural science, right? You, you those that's for crops. This is for a livestock. Oh, I don't know actually. I would think, and he he would um, probably know because he went to the university. Um, yes, but. animal science is concerned with the science and business of producing domestic livestock species. Including but not limited to beef cattle, dairy cattle, horses, poultry, sheep, and swine. There is at the University of Minnesota. There is. Uh, it's it's for fr- it's for farmers. Plants. So if you if you have a family farm, um, you you need to learn the skills for that business, right? And that's like uh, how to solve problems with your livestock. Mm-hmm. And so it is. It isn't a um, veterinary school necessarily for like. You cute puppies and kittens that kittens. need their shots, but rather it's for the domestic raising of things to be slaughtered, and but I've, also uh, but also can extend into things like um, how to breed and um, theories theories but for, of uh, for purposes theories. of slaughtering though, Paul. Yeah, well, for purposes of, bre- uh, of raising them for food, yeah, or yes. whatever. Yes. 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 So, so it's not just and the student is how to run a farm. It's much more complex. It's much more intense than this, this, this that. Well, it's specifically of livestock though, because there's another one for uh, regular agricultural stuff like crops. Um, but the fact that I think the student also, and maybe we don't get the clearest thing from the uh, narrator, but the student she wasn't an a- animal sciences student. She was just slaughtered. There. She's just walking through the parking lot, right? Mm. And so that uh, that that fun. Um, I, I'll just I'll read a paragraph here, and it's like this is all good stuff. Listen to this. Uh, and when night came, the fog came with it, moving silent and white along the narrow college avenues and thoroughfares. The po- so it's almost like the fog is Spring Hill Jack or Spring Jack. The pine on the wall poked through it like counting fingers and. It drifted slow as cigarette smoke under the little bridge down by the Civil War cannons. It made things seem out of joint, strange, magical. The unwary traveler would step out of the juke-thumping, brightly lit confusion of the grinder. Uh, Another interesting name choice there. Expecting the hard, clear starriness of winter to clutch him. And instead, he would suddenly find himself in a silent, muffled world of white, drifting fog. The only sound, his own footsteps and the soft drip of water from the ancient gutters. And then this is the line that I think is uh, to distract us from the fact that this guy's the killer. 
You half expected to see Gollum or Frodo or Sam go hurrying past, or to turn and see that Grinder was gone, vanished, replaced by a foggy panorama of moors and yew trees, and perhaps a druid circle or a sparkling fairy ring. <laughs> so that that shows he's not a monster, right? Because <laughs> he's just enjoying a a Tolkien uh, experience, and mm-hmm. that Tolkien Sam and Frodo, uh, but Gollum's there too. Um, that's uh that's like a a pastoral right which is also where we think it oh it's like merce is all calm in nature right everything's nice but there's a bear out there there's a wildcat right so you actually have to be a little bit wary (laughs) and loving the nature is is like yeah it's it can be dangerous because nature thinks you're food too um so uh, I think I think he's doing a pretty good job of making making us not know that it's the he's the killer, and I, I think if I had read this uh, first rather than the audio drama first, where I think it was very obvious he's getting headaches all the time, um, and then the sound goes, <laughs> he's getting the headache. Um, yeah. Well, but what did Paul and Evan think? Because I thought it was super obvious from the short story as well. Like I don't. I don't think there was any real question. We have a lack of yeah. other characters to be uh, developed. So yes, it's like, who's, who's this? It's like, it was only the question of, I was hoping like how to find out. We know he's the killer rather. That was the, yeah. the question of how rather than if. Had you yeah. read this before, Paul? I had not. So at what point did you twig that he's going to be the killer? Uh, let me see if I can find it where, if we can find it on the text. Um, it's very short, so yeah, yeah. So it's just where I described that. Um, I I decided, I decided when when we jumped to 1971, and then today's paper, it's like okay, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. it was. We, oh, we sorry, don't have any other voice. suspects. We have we we have this Spring Hill Jack. We have murderers, and then then today's paper, and then it's like oh, obviously he's the killer. Yeah, it was. When his parent, when he like is in the background of the photo of the news report of the murder, and his parents are worried about him, like that was when I was like, "Oh, is he the killer?" Like <laughs> it was like right at the start, like this, like the first few paragraphs. I think. <laughs> I, I was hoping. Yeah, for I read a, it. So I was long hoping ago. for a different twist where he wasn't the killer. Me so too. Yeah, I just like held off, held off, deciding purposely. But once, yeah, once we jumped to seventy one, it's like, oh, yeah. And the yeah. other thing was, like, the way the first murderer is described, it's described as if he was there. Like, it's t- he talks about how her eyes were sparkling, like the person mm. that found her. And it was like, okay, so you know what this body looks like, so you're definitely the killer. So mm. that's why it was just disappointing to me that the ending was that revelation that I thought we already were very aware of. I think like, probably <laughs> the reputation that this has that you were hearing about, Marissa, is... It's it is from students who haven't read a lot of Stephen King. This is them getting the the taste, right? Mm-hmm. And they said that la di da di da. What? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so that uh, the, it's like that revelation is like stories can do this <laughs> sort of thing. Um, whereas me, well, I, when I start a story, I'm like, okay, who's the narrator? <laughs> as soon as I read the first sentence, you know. Um, what were you going to say? I guess the story didn't need the, the narrator. I mean, I, the story didn't need the narrator to be the murderer, right? It could just be there were murders and now there's this 
a murder again. There's like cycles. That's the common king. Trope right. And too, I'm right? worried it. at the end. Right? And then, or it's just like, this makes me think of when I was in college and then you get all the nostalgia. And I think the politics aren't as important as, as it is just, he's got that sort of nostalgia for mm. college. Yeah. yeah he, or, and then it could, it could just be, Oh, there's a murder. And this reminds me of a serial killer when I was in at a similar time of year. Oh, how creepy. And then, or, yeah, or if he'd like the story would work that way, but it's Stephen King, so yeah. Mm. Or if he'd made like the fog, that... the you know, if we'd left the story being like, oh shit, fog, fog really fucks up people and makes people murder each other. Like I would have quite liked that. <laughs> yeah, we don't Make have a mechanism. We have the. I mean, I mean, we have we have a correlation, but we don't have a mechanism for why he gets picked to be the. Google be the murderer. Yes, it's another strawberry spring. It's a fog. But it's just why an incel, I think. What's yeah. that? Well, yeah, think... with that, with that, there's that. No, he has I... a wife at the end, right? So, no, we, so we, why is he start, starting it up too. again? Incel's gonna have wives too, Jesse. Yeah, so. yeah, but why is he starting it up again? It's the fog, um, right? Yeah. Mm. So, or, or he's just always been doing it. And he's fog. just remembering. <laughs> I'm I get. Don't talk to me right now. I'm in an incel fog. <laughs> yeah, it could just be he's he's always been a serial killer, and it's just the fog makes him think of this time. I think that's really the heart yeah. of the story. It's just memory of, mm. of the past and how. So how many? Yeah, this so, environment makes me think of the past. So there might be yeah other bodies just out there that we don't know about because he's not recalling them and not thinking about them, mm. and they're probably not on. The campus, because that's where all the uh, attention is. But yeah, he's probably leaving a trail. Serial killers don't kill once. That's the definition of a serial <coughs> killer. Yeah, I'm worried about his wife too. Like, man, <laughs> don't yeah. go walking with your husband on a foggy night, lady. Yeah, uh, that's I was... a story. Good marriage, where the the wife is digging through the garage and finds a box of of driver's license. Like, like 80 driver's licenses. <laughs> Tremendous little mementos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I rewatched, uh, or not rewatched, I watched that new Dexter uh, show. You guys remember Dexter, that TV show from, was Yeah, I watched the first episode of the of the reboot, and I'm just like, this is the same stuff. It is exactly the same stuff, but I th- I thought, for Sorry. some reason, I thought he moved to Alaska, but it turns out it, it was nor- nor- uh, upstate New York. Um, okay. and, uh, it, it's the same thing as, as the old one. Um, but, uh, it, that collecting of, of, uh, souvenirs and it, it's like, um, I think that this, the story is the souvenir, right? I don't think there is a thing that he keeps in the garage. I think his delicious uh, thinking about the scenes and listening to everybody's rumors and when he's walking around the streets of the campus and s- looking at their eyes and saying hi extra loud um, and then seeing seeing if we can detect the the monster behind the face right um, it's all it's all very well done um, so I, I would be very interested to see what that original looked like and compare it to and see if like oh yeah he's really stepped it up to the Stephen King that we're starting to see here versus whatever it was that came out originally. Sadly, it costs too much money. Prohibitively yeah. expensive. It's going to be a while, I think, before we get to see it. Um, Maybe 70 years. <laughs> no, not that long. Um, 
but uh, it's it's also interesting in like um, Stephen King uh, holding that shotgun, pointing it at the student's face is <laughs> in the um, in the poster or whatever you know the newspaper thing. Looking at that and like this is this is the guy who is like very worried about gun violence with that book. Uh, he he self canceled right. Um, he's got this sort of monster inside him. And he's dealing with the, uh, like, the main character in here is a monster, right? <laughs> Clearly. Um, but Stephen King is not the monster. He just wrote about the monster. But he's, how does, this is the question that they always ask him. How do you, how do you do such horrible stories? <laughs> well, you know, I like being scared. <laughs> You know, it's also like, wow. <laughs> at some at a certain point, you have to turn it back and say, "Yes, I do. I like scaring myself." Um, but I it, just it, like being scared. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't watched enough of those interviews, but I've seen a few of them where he's he's answered those questions, and uh, it is creepy because I think it's like those ideas, like. Uh, you ask a girl out on a date, and you say, "She humiliated me." Well, and then um, I could kill her. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Just get over yourself, bud. Um, that the answer is no, no. The fog, the fog. So he's romanticizing it. Um, it's way more, I think, uh, uh, fondly Fahrenheit than it is William Wilson. But you could read it as a little bit William Wilson where he doesn't know that it's him. And I think that's the way the audio drama went. He really has no idea. Mm-hmm. But this reminds me of that Joe Rogan clip you showed me Which a few one? weeks ago. One about Stephen King. Mm. Do you remember, remember this one? No, no. Where he was saying, like, like Stephen King... He, I, I think he was wrong in many ways in this because he was saying early Stephen King Jared was, Rogan, wrong. <laughs> was better because he, he was full of these demons, right? And he was specifically talking about like drugs and alcohol mm. and, and like like hostility to his family and the context of all that. And out of that came like all these demons. And then he's kind of saying recent Stephen King isn't as good. And, and I think that's pretty much not true. I think it's different, but it's still pretty good. For the most part, um, but I, I the most but there's something to I, that. There is a lot of there's the Bachman. Richard Bachman is under the surface of a lot of early King's works. That, that's a real. That's a really good idea you yeah. got there, Evan. I like that. You, you need to you need to tweet that out. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good phrase. So, what was the most recent one uh, we've done on the podcast? I think was it was it that. Um, a lightning one. What was it called? Revival. We did Revival. everything eventual, but the first last oh, novel yeah. or the most recent but, novel. Yeah, the most recent Revival. thing he's written that I would have read would have been uh, Revival, I think. And that's a good book. It's a good story. Um, but I haven't uh, here. Here you go, Marissa. I've never read The Shining. I've only seen the movie. Okay, let's never do read it. The Shining. I triggered her. I was thinking the same thing before you were saying. Yeah, no, no. I know. I knew it would do that. I knew it would have that effect. So <laughs> you the book the time. Is- you book the time, and I will read the book. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about before the podcast. We were talking about trying to fill stuff in the schedule. I mean, maybe we should put The Shining on the schedule. Oh, yeah. 
see how it's like the second half of his the second half of his career is full of such good stuff. I, I even like Dreamcatcher, uh, Black House. The later yeah. Dark Tower ones are wonderful. Lisi's story is great. Uh, no, uh, was that No Dark, Full Stars? Um, there's I some I don't I don't think I'll much. rewatch that movie. Uh, what, the Shining? I like the movie, but I don't think I'll rewatch it. I think I'll just go pure book. The Shining? Yeah, read the book. Forget the just movie. Just the book. Because uh, there's so many, you know, I started watching the uh, short film for this. Then there's, mul- there's multiple short films for Strawberry Spring, and they're all not great. As far as I started watching them, I was like, mm, this is pacing, timing, etc. Basically, it's not a short film. It's just somebody reading the story with some video or whatever. Um, I think Stephen King's, like, saturation point is at its max probably this year or last year right where where he's got what two television shows ongoing or three or four or five television shows ongoing the stand and all that stuff and i'm more of a book guy so let's just do the let's just do the shining by itself well well i will do the shining by itself i've seen the movie i thought it was a good movie i like stanley kubrick but i love the movie as well but uh, I think there's meat enough on on these potatoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Based on how much Marissa enjoys that book, Paul, you've read it before too, The Shining. I haven't read it. I've watched the movie many times, but I've okay. never actually read the actual book. So here's the opportunity for right. me to yeah, correct that go. problem, correct that defect. And I'm sure Evans read it a few times. When was the last I mean, time you read it? I taught it one once when I did it a college course on American horror. Wow, cool. I would take that class. Yeah. Okay, I guess we're done with this this little guy, huh? Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That was fun. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. How's your, Thank how's you, your... Paul, for <coughs> managing to... <laughs> my throat feels like it's on fire. Uh, and so, so, so I went into my, into my medicine cabinet like, oh, I must have... Uh, I must have like um, cough drops. Yeah, I had cough drops. They expired in 2014. Uh, oh damn! That doesn't. That, that, <laughs> I don't that's often fine. get. That's fine. Don't worry about stuff the... like this. No, I threw them away. Like, oh, Paul. I, I think seven years expired is a bit much. Did you know the people are? If if you go to a special part of YouTube, <laughs> go to a special part of YouTube. People open up like cans. Uh, food from World War One and eat them. Yes, I've seen that. That's so bizarre. Um, Not I, World War Two. World War One. I may, I may go off on adventures, but that's an adventure too far. A cough drop <laughs> is not going to go bad in, <laughs> in that period of time. If it's kept in a uh, light, is the most harmful thing to like medicine, right? That's why they put that you know uh, brown amber cube or whatever it is around color glass or plastic right um yeah you could probably pull that out of the garbage and use it no problem um
<laughs> that stuff doesn't go bad. There are, there are things, you but know, it's need, not milk. Do, it's shelf-stable. I, I do need more um, medicine or stuff just to have handy, just in case. I mean, I'm a typical guy in that regard. Like, oh, I'm sick now while I buy the medicine and then for probably not use it till next time I'm sick. Rather than having it um, in advance and prepared. Well, yeah, but you you have to be restocking all the time, so always be restocking. <laughs> no, no, don't. It's it's a waste of time. But um, yeah, what what do you think of those uh, uh, eating food out of cans from World War One? World War One. Um, more for <laughs> them, I believe is the phrase I'm going to go with. And they, they do it like a gourmet review, like um, like here's here's sea rations, and they open up the can, and you see, oh, that that appears to have been a cookie. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then they use like tongs and and pull it out piece by piece and disassemble the the whole kit. Um, and it just turns to like powder on their tongues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, some of them was like, oh, uh, this one's this is this is coffee from World War One, right? And they use the even the uh, equipment that the soldiers would use. It's very strange. Uh, who yeah, would have predicted like, the internet would have done that? <laughs> yeah, it's cool in a way. Like, I love that people have these niche things that they yes. get absolutely fascinated by and just take it all the way. Like, there's no, like, <laughs> like I'm just going to eat this really old food. There's there's people who, like, build, you know, furniture out of pallet wood, right? Like, yeah, you, you kind of get that, right? I'm poor. But yeah. there's no reason to eat sea rations from World War One. Yeah. <laughs> Other than watching people watching people do it, right? You say, Whoa. yeah. <laughs> and it is edible. It's mostly. I mean, if you've got one that's a bulging tin or something, that's not good. Don't eat that one. But it, they were, you know, uh, Napoleon was using uh, uh, canned food. It wasn't canned, but um, it, it, yeah, preserved food. Yeah. Uh, you know, pasteurized and all that stuff. So um, there, there is, I think, shelf stable milk now, which is pretty scary. Yeah, though. Yeah, that sits on a uh, yeah outside of the dairy grocery store. I saw those uh, outside. Ago. Wow. And outside the grocery, outside, outside of the dairy section of the grocery store, I should say outside the. Oh, okay. Oh, I th- okay. I thought it was like uh, when you go to the gas station and they have a bunch of bottled water sitting by the gas pumps. No. <laughs> I was thinking like you have a shelf stable milk sitting by the gas pumps. Uh, no, don't do that. No, but, he, but I I don't. But you know, so like that sort of milk. Hasn't it really taken off down here in the states? Powdered milk was a really big thing, right? Um, I, I had powdered milk as a kid. Did you, any of you have powdered milk? Um, we were poor, but we didn't get down to the level of powdered milk. No, I lived in a dairy country, so we didn't have milk, powdered milk, or weird milks at all. Yeah, pow- powdered milk. You'd get like uh, it's like a packet, and then you mix water in it and. It become not powdered milk anymore, and it didn't taste like milk exactly. But you could use it as milk. Not my fave. Um, I I don't know. I, it's probably still available. I haven't been seeing it for sale, but I, I haven't also been looking. <laughs> All right. So when do you want to do uh um the shinin? The shin. Shingerin. Oh, that's what they called it on. Oh, yeah, I think it's it's good. Uh, The Simpsons they called it the Shinin because uh, groundskeeper Wooly couldn't call it 
The Shining because he would get a copyright strike or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long time ago. Um, what My about, <laughs> What about the tenth of July? July tenth. Oh wait a minute. What what was your dating? Six twenty six seven three seven ten seven seventeen seven ten again? What uh, the? Ah, uh, somebody screwed around with that. Uh, seven ten seven seventeen and then what was seven twenty four? Pop it in there. Oh 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 wait wait. Which, Wait a minute, 724 won't work for me because that will be, I think that will be uh, me going to um, Gen Con. Um, when is Gen, or is it Gen, or am I leaving, when When am I leaving for Gen July Con? July 10th, I can't do July, that weekend I'm probably We already have a July 10th though. So. Oh, okay, sorry, I thought you said that. 17th is available, but we should probably book it weeks apart, right? Yeah, because um, it's a longer book. How long is the Star King, Paul? Uh, six hours. Oh, okay. That's doable. Um, we, what about 626, Marissa? 626, one second. Into and, and also, Evan says he's not available for one weekend, but he doesn't say what weekends he, he's available. This is the third. Yeah, I can do that one. 626. 626? All right. Shall I put it in? Yep. The Shinin. <laughs> 58 chapters. I'm not gonna, I was going to try to figure out how long it is, but it's 58 chapters. So. Uh, it's it's a pretty chunky book, right? It's probably... Yeah, it's not that long. It's yeah, probably 15 it's, hours. It flows fast, though. Okay. The audio's great. Yeah, it goes down smooth. I like that. All right, and so... And the audiobook's not too bad. Good. Who's the narrator? Um, I just had it up, and then I closed it. Uh... I'm going to find my way around this new computer. You and Paul. New computer. Yeah, I'm getting a new computer in a couple of weeks. Campbell Scott. Oh, he's an actor. Um, TV actor. Uh, he was in one of those um, David Mamet movies. Uh, I want to say the one with uh, the comedian. <laughs> White-haired comedian. Steve Martin. Uh, what the hell's the name of that oh. movie? Uh, the Spanish Prisoner, I believe. You guys oh, know oh that yeah, movie? that's the Steve Martin one, yeah. That's a great movie. Uh, Campbell Scott, yeah. He plays He's right pretty straight. He, he plays... Uh, uh, Rebecca Pigeon is also in that one. She's in all of his movies because she's David Mamet's wife. Um... She's not the greatest actor. She's kind of flat, but I don't care because it's David Mamet's movies. He makes good movies. Uh, Ed O'Neill. Wow. I haven't seen him around, Paul. Where's Ed O'Neill been? I don't know. That's a good question. I like Ed O'Neill. Did you know that Ed O'Neill made a sequel to um, to The French Connection? <laughs> He what? I know, right? He played Popeye Doyle in The French Connection 2 on a TV movie. I was like, Lord, I had no idea. Right? I mean, yeah, I know he has much more range than Married, married with, with Children. children. Yeah. I mean, I liked him like in the same He was the great in that, but kingdom. it was but, yeah, too like, much, right? It's too much of the same thing. Yeah. Let's see. Control F, French Connection. So he's, he's re. Yeah. The character had originally appeared in the motion picture of The French Connection. 
uh, played by Gene Hackman. The two-hour made-for-television movie pilot was filmed and shown on network te- television. O'Neill received good reviews for his performance. The pilot received positive ratings, but the series was not picked up. So I guess it was ter- supposed to be a TV, seri- TV series of The French Connection. So it just turned into like a sequel t- television show. Or TV movie. Marissa's never seen The French Connection, right? Mm-mm. See, I think you need to start a movie podcast so you can watch all the awesome movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah French Connections are really uh, like a uh, a cool action movie from the 70s with Gene Hackman. I've got, I've got like a whole lifetime of movies to watch. I need to like be reborn and then just spend that life <sighs> watching movies instead of reading. Uh, you can do both. You can do both. <laughs> it's just hard to – like. Um, I watched a really good movie on Netflix the other day, and I'm like, wow, a good movie on Netflix, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And it's a very small movie. It's called Old Henry. And it stars some guy you've never seen before, except he was in a movie I didn't watch called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs or something. Some Netflix movie. I've that heard was... of that movie, but I haven't seen that. That's Coen Brothers. Yeah, that's why I didn't watch it. I'm not a Coen Brothers. I don't like the Coen Brothers, mostly. Um, so, Mammoth uh, and not Coen Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Quite different, right? Um, and I like some Coen Brothers movies, but mostly I find that they, they fall flat. And same with Mamet. You know, he's, he, he's done some occasional dogs. But um, this this movie, Old Henry, it's, it's like super low budget, but doesn't look it. It's just, you could tell because they don't have, they don't go anywhere. It's set on a farm. There's an old farmer. There's a, the old farmer's son. Some guy comes by on a horse, uh, or some horse comes by with no guy on it and they go looking for the guy that went with the horse uh, and he finds him and he's uh, got money, like a, a lot of money, so he figures he's a bank robber or something um, and they take him to the house and, um, you know, and then the cops come looking for him. What band conversation Kubrick movie? So we're not actually not allowed to talk about the movie at all when we talk about the book? No, no, you can. Oh, I, I added that. I, I, no, I'm. Oh, I I'm, I, I'm just going to talk about the book because I, I oh, won't okay. have watched. I was just so, think, like, what? That's that, that's that was such, really strong. Yeah, that's just such a boring conversation that's been had. We've seen it a million times. times. That's it's right. True. Yeah, we, that's why I, that's I just go with the much more productive if we yeah. didn't say why the Cooper sucks and why the book is amazing. Because we'll just establish that. Fact. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll just take that as a postulate. Yeah, I'm. I'm or yeah. an axiom, even. I'm, an axiom I'm totally right. down with pretending that the movie didn't even get. At least published. it's a horrible adaptation. I think that's. But, yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't, I haven't seen the comparison, but I know the original movie was good and scary. Or not original movie. I has it been remade? I think they remade it recently, didn't they? They did. Well, that was King did a oh bad King wrote the uh, uh, basically a pure adaptation of the book his screenplays tend to be that way like i recently looked at cat's eye which mm-hmm. has the ledge and and uh smoke quitters ink from night shift to night shift <laughs> story and they're like if you read the story in the movie it's like exactly it's like what's in your head when you're reading the book mm. almost it's and that's how the his shining miniseries mm. was oh miniseries so, that's right he oh. did a miniseries of it back in the 90s i haven't been able to find it um do you want it online through streaming? If you can, well, I, I found on like one episode somewhere. of it. I found on torrents. I found one yeah, episode, but not should all be some three. Stephen King, something. Out there. I, I haven't looked. Uh, but then there's the Doctor Sleep, which is this 
the effort to try to be a sequel both t- to the book version and the Kubrick movie. Hmm. You know, I was trying to do both because it sort of had to be because everyone knows the movie. But it was a, the book, Dr. Sleep is a sequel to the book version. And they're so, they're so different mm. that they had to kind of. That's, that sounds like uh, what happened with like the Jurassic yeah. Park movies. And, and they like basically six. made the end of Dr. Sleep the proper end of The Shining. <clears throat> oh. Okay. And then the movie version. Yeah, we don't so need to talk about any time. of that stuff. Just talk about yep. the book. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's time for me to go. My players are waiting for me. Thank you, so. Paul. Have a great Thanks. one. Thanks. I'm going to jump off as well. It was good to talk to you all. Yeah. All right. Take See care, you everybody. You too. See you Bye-bye. soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, it's starting. Yes. I'm getting some gum out so we can do some pre-chat. Including you can't um, do a lot because I'm not only gaming today, I'm GMing today, which is really going to fun. I figure really fun. Um, one and a half hours of pre-chat. How about that? Um, then we have 10 minutes to talk the story. <laughs> wow, Jesse. Wow. Um, next week is Ghostland in Search of Haunted Country. Connor has signed up for that. Evan theoretically has signed up for that, but no question mark. I'm taking Evan's question mark off today's show. What's with your uh, travel plans, Evan? You're not going now? Oh, I, my flight was was moved. Like. My Hong Kong to San Francisco flight was moved to like mm-hmm. three days earlier. And then my other connections were still on July 1st. So I called them. Oh, and I'm like, well, because that was the flight that was canceled. So they automatically move you oh. to the closest G- flight. That's how they explained it to me. So I talked to the agent, just like Expedia guys. And they're like, oh, well, well, we'll find some other flight for you. And they said so three days, 72 hours. And then they didn't get back to me. So... I called them, and then that that age is like, well, I'll call Cathay Pacific, see what's up. Hmm. He's talking to him for like 20 minutes. Finally, because they're they're not going to upgrade me, right, to find me a flight. Why would they spend money on you? Um, So they're like, oh, we we have a flight through London that will get you there. Like maybe, you know, a few hours difference, but roughly what original plan it was. I'm like, okay, fine, London. Fuck it. And... Then like a like, they confirmed like two of the tickets, and then the third just vanished from my itinerary. So I'm like stranded in London now. And I called them back. Oh my god! Like, why am I stuck in London? I bought a ticket to Chicago. They're like, oh well, you know that flight was canceled too. The London to Chicago hmm. flight was canceled. So I'm like, well, fuck it, find me another way. <laughs> maybe maybe there's a way through like Montreal or something. I don't know. Nothing, right? So I have to cancel the ticket. I gotta, I'm going to buy it tomorrow. I'm talk to a Taiwanese agent, and there's some other. I'll, I'll find something. It's going to be more expensive, though. I'm being refunded 2000 for that, because the whole price was 3500 for two of us. And or 2000 of that was just the flight to America. So that's going back. But that's not going to cover the prices now. I'm at least out 300 maybe up to 1000 depending on the You're ticket. saying because of inflation? No, it's not inflation. It's just the the, the tickets available, whatever. There's the price, some that are like twelve hundred each. They're like some that are like twelve hundred one way, but they go up to two thousand one way. The I don't think it's inflation. I think it's everything my, just uh, got jacked. All the all the flights just went up in price like everywhere. 
Yeah. Yeah, but like I fight back. Like it's fifteen hundred for the two of us, seven seven fifty each. That's kind of what I paid a year ago to get back to Taiwan one way, like around eight hundred seven hundred. From LA to Vermont was one hundred and seventy five when I looked in uh, at the start of the year oh, um, in October, and now they're four hundred and something each way. Yeah, it's it's well. I think the problem too is not many Asians are leaving Asia still. Mm. They're still pretty COVID scared. So, so or is it not coming? I don't know how the market's working. I think they don't have the full capacity. Of, they, they, those are like all cargo. They've been they're sending cargo ships over, planes over or something. I mean, they still make their money. They're just not delivering people. Like Cathay Pacific, I found out later is at two percent of their pre-COVID capacity for tri- for passengers. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. Um, so it's stupid to buy a ticket from from them. But there's, I'll, I might end up with a better flight for not too much more money than like a direct flight to San Francisco or even Chicago. So um, doesn't I'll, sound. Cool. I'll get there. I'll still get there around the same time. My uh, my mom's uh, money will solve the problem. House on the island. She's getting prepped to move to. Um, her house is she put a twenty thousand dollar deposit down uh based on the the uh ability to sell her house right so she she's looking to buy a house and she's she was uh looking to sell her house so that she could transfer the money from the sale of her home that she lives in to purchase the new house so uh she put down a twenty thousand dollar deposit secured a mortgage uh and then um, the buyer that she sold her house to, um, put down a hundred thousand dollar deposit on her house and, uh, sold it and was looking to secure a mortgage. And then, uh, all of a sudden, because of massive inflation, um, her buyer can't find a mortgage and they did a reappraisal twice to come in and say, are we really gonna? So these are different banks, right? Trying to, Make sure they they don't get hosed, um, because now that money uh, the rates are way up for mortgages, there uh, it's possible that the people buying my mom's house will lose a hundred thousand dollars. My mom won't be able to <laughs> won't be able to uh, uh, have a mortgage for the other place, um, but she would they would forfeit their hundred thousand dollars because of this. I, like my mom would have to forfeit twenty thousand if she couldn't complete, and they would have to forfeit a hundred thousand dollars. Imagine losing a hundred thousand dollars because the rates went up and more, uh, you know, inflation started like climbing up just rapidly over a couple of months, almost like a couple of weeks. And uh, this is this isn't the only person. The, my mom's. Um, uh, neighbor who walks her dog, who is also moving to Vancouver Island. Um, they had the same thing happen with their mortgage, uh, the purchaser's mortgage being checked, uh, by re, uh, revaluing the house, even though like they're, they're literally a week away from moving. <laughs> like <laughs> this is like, uh, not normal, right? Th- I think something like this happened. In the very early 80s, because uh, my mom purchased some property in uh, the very early 80s, like, you know, not a, not a house, just some property for a house. And she lost that in a uh, shakeup like this. 
some massive inflation spike. In the U.S., it was the late seventies, right? Yeah, it must Early have been. 80s. It was. It was. It was something like that. It, it was. It was. But did they blame labor for that too? I mean, they said, "What's well, wages, right?" Because unions are too strong. So then, when Reagan comes in, he's like, "You got to discipline labor." Yeah. Well, right? Yeah. The, the firing of the air traffic controllers union in nineteen eighty. Yeah, that was the like the federal response. But across the board, there was all well, the right. But that that, that was that, yeah. That was yeah. That's kind of change. Yeah. yeah that. Made things change and not for the better. Well, um, uh, so I I wanted to tell you guys, Ghostlands next week, Thing in the Woods is two weeks from now. That's on a Saturday, Paul. And then Paul's not available for Orphans in the Sky. I don't know why. Um, oh, could you send me the the spreadsheet because this new sure. computer doesn't have that stored oh, in um, the memory? Because that that Sunday. I won tickets to a Twins baseball game. Oh, could take Evan. But but I I I said I wasn't available on that Sunday before you picked Orphans of the Sky for that weekend. I, I had that. I got I my that, what day are you going to the Twins? The twelfth, thirteenth. Yeah, twelfth. June. 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 Yes. June twelfth. June June twelfth. Yeah. I won't be back in America by then. Otherwise, I might take a trip, meet you there. That would be fun if you could but, if you could manage it. But I won't be there. It won't be. I'm not there till well. Who knows now? But probably July first. Still, there's tickets okay. available. Just gotta. Uh, I'm, if 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 you can, if you want to come here to see a baseball game in summer, I'm up for that, Evan. We can do that. Let's see the. Let's see when the Brewers are playing there. Is that is that your team, the Brewers? Well, they're Milwaukee. awesome this year. They're they're, the, the, they're wild the, this year. The, 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 the Brewers are good this year. <laughs> they're they're ready to go. I didn't know they Paul a was shot. a baseball guy. Um, I generally only follow the Yankees because they might know, have the best in New the York, National League right now. But they always played the Twins like four times a year because it's like right, a it's the same interdivisional division, yeah. rivalry thing. Yep. It's not the same division. It's the Marissa, you're gonna have to get into series. baseball now. <laughs> <That's>, nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they are, they're playing uh, July twelve thirteen. They're playing at the Twins. Is baseball a thing in New Zealand? Like. I don't, I don't think so. I didn't really hear much about it. It feels like a really American thing, but I don't follow any sports. It's done stuff, in so. Canada too, but it's not like it's not as popular as it is in the states. We It's not know, even in the Olympics cuz it's not global enough. It's yeah, like Japan, Japan, and Japan, Korea, Korea, Cuba. Taiwan. That's a, a lot like of Central Cuba, American Dominican, countries. Yeah. yeah, Dominican, US, Canada. And but, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. What about what about the the one that's like it, the British one? Cricket? Cricket. Is that in it's, the Olympics? Yeah, I think that no. is. No? It's not? I don't think there's cricket in the Olympics. There's a lot of countries that play that. Yeah, that's yeah. huge well, but in all, New Zealand. All, all, yeah, all that makes British, sense. Yeah, British and former British possessions. Except for the Yeah, United some of the States. determination <laughs> of what's in the Olympics. It's supposed to be global, right? It's supposed to be played in a certain number of countries. But some of the things on international there, like cricket biathlon. How many countries oh. play biathlon? Like as a, I mean, a lot of Olympics. I mean, I are Scandinavian outside countries. the Olympics, really. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there are biathlon competitions in Norway or something. But. Yeah, but <laughs> not in Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the biathlon is very Scandinavian. Maybe you get the Alps and the Germans, and uh, you know, maybe some Canadians or something. But a cross country. And and shooting, it's a it's it's like um, mountain division. It's like it's a mil. They're military sports, right? That's the most ex- yeah. like obvious that was example. Military training. 
Yes, it is. I mean, literally, it is a military sport. Uh, equestrian dance, you know, <laughs> dressage, maybe not military anymore, but it, you could javelin, not military anymore, but you know, it has that legacy. So, all right. So, uh, yeah, we're a little short on future episodes. Uh, and so Paul, you're going to have to step up after you get your, 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 uh, cold or whatever it is out of the way because get this connor's uh, gonna be moving to germany and uh will not be available during the transition well how about i mean how, except for your saturday episodes and me going to a baseball game when when have i not stepped up in the last since the pandemic started I don't know. There's been I think few... you're saying there's not much scheduled coming. Yeah. Up, right? and... Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you sound let me sound. Uh... It's your job, Paul. <laughs> it's your job, Paul, to <laughs> come up with some uh, like. Well, what was that? There was a Vance Jack oh, Vance book uh, that oh, just that, came out, but I don't know if that's the first. Yeah, that, that's that's the second one. Um, the first one is um. Is it out? Yeah. Yes. The first one is the first and the second are out now. So if we want to, if we want to do um. Yeah, what's the first one of that series? Well, if, I, if I just read something. Universe, will you let me join on the 12th, Orphans of the Sky? <laughs> you can join, absolutely. Can I, if I just read Universe? Why Why only Universe, not the second one? They're That's both short. Long. It's not They're that long. Short. It's like uh, four hours, maybe. Okay. Well, I guess I'll, I can I'll, I'll do that. So, 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 let's, let's, so, so why don't we do the Star King, which is the first of the Demon Princes novels? All right. Uh, 619 is the first open slot. you like that? I like that. Let's do that. The Star yeah, King? The Star King. Yep. Is there a dash in between? No. All right. Um, I believe right, there's... Right by, right by Stefan Renicki. It's a really oh, good yeah, name. Oh, yeah, he's good. Yeah, it's re- he's really good. Jesse, Paul, and uh, you'll have to sell Marissa and Evan. Um, it's I don't know. Star King. It's it's, uh, it's it's Jack Vance space opera, a a one of the one of the last survivors of a raid on the planet swears swears revenge against the five criminal masterminds who masterminded the masterminded the operation, and the Star King is the first one he goes after. So, um, serial identities, mysteries, um, strange cultures, the usual Jack Man stuff. Mm, I'm not sold. Not sold <laughs> yet. Wait till <laughs> wait till I dig out the art for it. Um, I didn't know it was serialized in Galaxy, so I'm going to be excited about digging that out. It's possible. I can, that- I can only do a really limited number of podcasts, and Oops. I want to do the ones that have like weird nature and atmospherics and eh, space opera. Mm. Uh, okay. Well, Ghostland is, uh, is a, uh, I, my understanding is it is, it's kind of like a, uh, tour of haunted places in the UK. That's not, uh, exactly the same, but how about this one? The thing in the woods by Harper Williams. This one is, uh, very early werewolf novel without uh werewolf explicitly being called out, I guess. Um, Harper Williams is famous for writing a children's book. Um, and, uh, Lovecraft read it and people think that he based, uh, one of his stories on, on the plot, which is interesting. Hmm. Uh, Do you uh, know Mar- which story? 
Yeah. Uh, let's see. So there's that werewolf. It's more like a poem, right? There's uh, a werewolf poem Lovecraft wrote. Well, no, I think it's. I think the plot is actually uh, one of the novels. Let's see if I, uh, there's a Goodreads oh the, sign-up thing. The cover on the Goodreads is so good. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> That's a great cover. That's the dust jacket. Um, it's so good. It's pencil set in Pennsylvania. Uh, authors, okay. Thing in the woods. Thing in the woods. Lovecraft. Uh, I'm not seeing it. I do know the answer. I, if, Evan, what are the, what are the long? Was it? Well, there's just Charles Dexter Ward, maybe. Of madness and Charles Dexter Ward. That's the body switching one. Yeah, so. I think it's Charles Dexter Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a rural thing. I don't know. I, I haven't read it yet. Or so. your ancestor comes back to take over your body. Yeah, well, that's practically every Lovecraft story. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, all right, I'll I'll work on it and sell you online. Okay. Bring I vote for, yeah. for, for what, finally uh, getting getting Seawolf in. We can do the Seawolf. Uh, and um, Jack London, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how cool. about July third? Uh, that give a gap for uh, novels. Does that work for you? Yeah, I'll just have to get back to you on. I don't know. This flight's still up in the air. Okay. Well, well July third may not work because I, I may be, be spend that weekend. That, that was first weekend with my friends in Madison. Okay, July tenth. So I'll be getting available. into Chicago. Yeah, that'd be the tenth. The right. third, I'm probably not available. The Evan not available. July okay. three. Uh, hold on. Bye. I, you never write that, but um, everyone I, else is not available. No, no, no. They put that, <laughs> they put that in themselves. Oh. I've never. I'm yeah, not, I don't have to meet the even. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't have. I don't have sharing rights. What? Oh well, that's because you're not on this. I see Marissa's sh- in, and then yeah, anonymous okay. giraffe. <laughs> so that'd be Evan, I guess. Um, I yeah. can add you, Evan. I just need you to uh, send me the email that would be associated with your Google. Oh, and there's Paul. Um, so Seawolf, uh, oh, 0703, Evan is not available. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, w- weren't you also thinking about Elizabeth Moon's The Deed of Paxanaran? Yeah. Um, can you sell Marissa on that? It's a bit long, though. It is a bit long. It is the classic um, fantasy story of a of a sheep farmer's daughter who decides she doesn't want to live life on the farm. She'd rather uh, be a paladin. Yeah. And goes and does that thing. And what I really like about it, Evan, um, because I, I was talking with Paul, I guess it was a while ago. I was like, all these stupid books that are always like, I'm a princess and I need to save my empire. Right. And then yeah. this is actually the bottom. It's, it's much more like uh, Red Sonia where she's like a low rent uh, peasant. Um, and just says, fuck this shit. <laughs> and then yeah. goes, uh, goes killing or whatever it is. It's a, it's a bottom up story, not a, uh, top down mm-hmm. story. And very, it, very, I remember it being well written yeah. and fun. They're very, 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 I mean, they're very much notes of like Joan of Arc and stuff like that. Like, Indeed. Uh, we still have that Vernon Lee story too. 
Uh, well, Paul, you put, oh, I'm going to sign you on so that you can put, because I don't know, I only have one Evan not available. So, um, I'm going to share, uh, you need to tell me your email address so I can put, put it in here. I think I requested access, but maybe. I don't see that here, but if you tell me the address, I can type it in and put it and make it happen. So I have to, oh, I have to give you my email. Just an email address. I don't think I've ever uh, yeah. emailed you anything. No. I don't e- really right. email much. I just sent. Oh, is it, did you email it to me? or is it I the did chat? the thing. It says view only. You click it, and then it says request added access. Okay. I'm going to look for that. I, I've been working at this one school for like months now, and I, they do everything. Google Forms, Google Docs, I, and I, I still... I, I can't figure out this here's system. Here's probably like, what happens. That sends me an email, which I do not check. Yeah. So just tell me your email address, or type oh. it into the chat, and I will add you. Okay. Well, I actually did the audio of this one. Copy. Prince Alberic and the Snake Lady yes. by Vernon Lee. Uh, and that's like an hour and a half, maybe? 130, yeah. It's yeah. got 313 views. Copy. All right. Okay. Share. I'm going to start I'm going to start working on this this YouTube channel. I'm going to get those big YouTube bucks and then get kicked off. My my 33 views on my Stephen King tier list ranking. All right. You should uh, be able to hit refresh and make it happen. All right. Oh, I'm in. Yeah. And there's even a little sweet. So I'll write it down here on the list. All right. Prince Albrecht. And the snake lady. <laughs> Breck. And the snake lady. I put a link this was to in the, the YouTube the, or something. Um, this was in that, uh, who are those two anthologists? Married or something. W- w- Vandermeer. The Vandermeers. It was in their classic fantasy anthology, which I actually quite love. The modern fantasy one, I didn't dig so much. But well, it's harder the classic to fan- determine the, classic the fantasy, classics of the but modern. But there's... Yeah, they did such a good job with like the international, like globalizing that anthology too. They are leading lights in that regard, for sure. Fernand Lee, I'll, I'll give you my. So, not, nothing showing my up in that f- field. Uh, I put it down below. Yeah, I'm looking at the line, but it's just showing a gray field. Do I have to hit enter? Probably. There we go. Yep, there, there go. it is. Snake lady. <laughs> no chicken dinner for Oh him. my. There we go. Alright. And then not a lot of bites on on Anthem by Ayn Rand. Um. Oh. Yeah. I don't think so. Alright. Well, okay. if you want to get started, we can. Yes, we probably should. Alright. Um. Let me get out a Wikipedia entry for this story. My uh, T-Binking. Um, uh, coincidentally, I read a story by A.A. A. Milne the other day. Um, you know, he's the guy who did Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> 
Um, it's called The Green Door, and there's a character in it uh, named King Stephen. <laughs> it's spelled hmm. the same way. <laughs> weird. It is kind of weird. Uh, it's from 1925, so probably not related. <laughs> Good story, though. It's, um, uh, it's, it's, it's got uh, a green door that's a magic door uh, that once you pass through it, people don't recognize you. Um, and it also has the silver key uh, from Lovecraft's story, but this is earlier than the Silver Key was published. I don't remember what year the Silver Key was written, but uh, I thought that was kind of cool. It works the same way. You know, he finds a Silver Key in a drawer, and then he goes through a, a, a portal. Um, and instead of it going back in time, it goes into a forest, and then when you go back around the other side of the castle... Um, the guards won't let you in, even though you're the king. So, kind of interesting. All righty. Uh, Jesse, Paul, uh, Paul, who's next? Marissa, and then Evan. Um, That's right. Yeah. It has to be, right? Yeah. Um, although Evan's catching up to Marissa. Uh, yeah, that's possible. I'm looking, oh, I'm looking at the Speaking of which, too. um, uh, when was the last time we did a Philip K. Dick, and do we have one scheduled? We just did a Philip K. Dick. Yeah, did Souvenir. We? Souvenir was yeah. uh, a few weeks back. Yep. Um, but there's still a lot to do. Um, well, propose stuff. Well, I don't want to do the crawlers because that's too uh, too abortion-y right now. Um, what? What? Uh, maybe I'll ask. Uh, about this after, because I was just thinking about how to start the show now. <laughs> yeah, let's start the yeah. show now. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, hi, I'm Jesse. Oh, Paul, please record if you're not already. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got the recorder going. All right, here we go. One more time.